It's not uncommon for the ladies of Kamikaze to be approached by others in search of reading recommendations for their family, friends, or what have you. We're always happy to talk about our favorites, but things can get a bit interesting when the request specifically asks for a boy thing or a girl thing. In this podcast, the ladies discuss how we assign gender to the things around us and how it influences both pop culture and our own views of the world. On with the podcast! So as the ladies of Kamikaze, under the mantle of the sort of subject matter experts that we are, um, it's not uncommon that we have a lot of people come up to us and ask us for recommendations um, of comic books or movies for their families, friends, I don't know, their dog, anyone really. (laughs) And when the people come and they ask us these questions, a lot of times those questions come under the mantle and sort of the messaging of... I need a recommendation for a girl or you guys are experts in women, but perhaps you can make a recommendation for a boy. We have sort of talked about this amongst ourselves a couple times about, you know, sort of what our take is on when people ask us these questions. And we thought that it would be a really great opportunity for us to sort of broaden this conversation and bring it to the podcast. So with me, this go round are Elise, Boebe, Erin. Great. So let's talk about gender <laughs> and recommendations <laughs> and sort of what what ha, sort of how we work in a society in terms of things that that society, I don't want to say we personally, but society or the world around us will label as something that is for girls or something that is for boys. Right. Society is still very binary and it's really hard to pull people from that. Our brains kind of want to take, so I'm going to preface this by saying I've just come off of this like intensive bias training. And in this training, we learned that our brains want to take these shortcuts. Doesn't necessarily make you a bad person, but your brain is is looking for patterns. And so it's just easier to relate to people with these certain patterns, but not everyone fits in that pattern. Well, and I think when you're talking about gifts or things for a child, you don't always know your audience. And mm-hmm. so you need the shortcuts even more sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. You're thinking, okay, I don't even know what this kid likes. It's my niece or nephew that I haven't seen. So I need to figure out what's good for, what do girls like? And then we can go from there. What do boys like? And then yep. we can go from there. But the problem with that, of course, is that doesn't mean that that's what that person likes. Well, and it, and it also doesn't mean that that's what you have to give them either. I think <laughs> like a big, uh, you know, we were, when we were sort of talking about this, uh, we always kind of laugh when people are like, well, can you make a suggestion for a girl? And we're like, yeah, try these things. Okay. Can you make a suggestion for a boy? It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like <laughs> we're suggesting things that we think are well-written, good stories, fun, engaging. To me, that sort of spans, like any child, person, human would like those things. Agreed. Yeah, I also am aware that from birth, the categories that we fall into are the ones that we continue to talk about and think about, and often gender is high on the list of categories. Mm. You know, it's like the child comes out of the womb, not exactly, but close enough, and it's, is it a girl or is it a boy? Right. Even mm-hmm. before. Even right. before. Right? Yeah. You yeah. Even have, there Gender are pictures reveal before parties. I forgot. See, this is Ooh. my 80s talking. When we didn't have three 
dimensional photos of fetuses. But now, yeah, you can get it pretty early. Well, yep. and they do quote unquote gender reveal parties where which are actually sex reveal parties. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sex reveal parties, and and on top of it, uh, lately they've become extremely dangerous. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, right? So they're dangerous in another way, in that we've made yeah. an assumption and assigned a color to it. Right, right. You have already slotted your child, this human being, into this binary, and that is what they are just fed from even before they're born, until they're maybe at a point where they can say, "Please stop buying me pink," or "Please stop buying me blue." I like green, whatever. Right. And then the hope is that the person the child is speaking to actually agrees with their choice. Yeah. Which is often not the case. And I was thinking back to my childhood and how much I really wanted to wear my older brother's clothing mm-hmm. and how resistant my mother was to it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand why. I, mean, I knew that it was because it was a boy's clothing. But I didn't understand all of the things going into her resistance. And now looking back, this is nothing against my mother's attempts to bring me up and all the things about like the dangers she saw in me potentially wearing mm-hmm. my brother's clothing, which fast forward probably like 15 years when I cut all my hair off as an adult and was constantly getting misgendered. And was misgendered in front of her after I spoke to the person. Someone said, oh, that's a really unusual name for a boy. And I'm in my 20s. Oh, and my mother, what she was afraid of, right? right? I was never afraid of it. But what she was afraid of, of my child self, she gets to witness when we're both adults. Yeah. yeah. So there's there is so much there that now I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And that's not even toys, you know, it's just like, <laughs> right, and I always, right. And I, again, I, it's funny too, because the person talking about what the person wants, the misgendering was odd to me, because it's rare that I'll speak to someone and I think that I'm male, but I also found it kind of amusing, and my mother did not find it amusing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, myself, you know, it's a fun story to tell for me, but I don't think that she experiences it that way. Yeah, I know that we know people who who are often misgendered in either direction and and how much it's it's yeah. I mean it's it's good that you were able to just kind of be sure enough of yourself that it was okay, but if you're not there, mm-hmm. how um it kind of knocks you off your axis a little. Right? It can be painful. Mhm. I'm sorry, but I was just going to say which I think is part of the the conversation mm-hmm. though too is what kind of misgendering are we talking about? Because there's the misgendering of folks that's just that kind of extremely, I agree, weird mistake if they've heard your voice. <laughs> but then there's the, the sort of misgendering for folks who are somewhere on the trans spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah. that confusion is doubled because people are reacting to what they perceive as quote unquote true mm-hmm. about you. And that's not really true, but they have, again, their shortcuts that certain things equate to voidness or grownness. Well, and there's such a difference too between, I mean, so for your mom, that was obviously probably an upsetting, upsetting, you know, situation. But when you think about like, you know, tomboys Mm -hmm. are way more accepted than boys who, there isn't even like a nice word. I I mean, I can't think of a nice word for boys who 
maybe like to play with dolls or prefer to play with the kitchen set instead of a catcher's mitt or like, I, I don't know. The, so, so they're already sort of feeding into this that the feminine is bad mm -hmm. in general. Like mm -hmm. girls are praised for being tomboys often. I mean, not always, but yeah, not always. It's more acceptable. I mean, I think when, when we were kids, once again, talking about the eighties, there was almost like a certain sort of badge of pride mm -hmm. being the, being the rough and tumble girl. Like, I feel like that was, and maybe there were just some pop culture examples of those types of characters that made it okay from our time period. But it's not just that. Femininity traditionally is associated with a kind of softness and weakness. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's you're a girly girl. You throw like a girl. Like yeah. is like the was like the biggest insult. Right. You run like a girl. You yeah. this and that like a girl. And we've seen campaigns that are trying to take that back, swap that narrative mm -hmm. around. But right there, right. The whole point is that if you wear a dress or you want to go into the kitchen or you want to take care of the baby, that that's somehow soft and therefore weak. Even though everyone who's ever had to take care of a baby knows <laughs> that it's the last thing that you are. Actually, it is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So when we're talking about sort of how the the tomboy mantle is a little bit more um, acceptable. Is it acceptable to other girls, girls who are like very feminine, or is it accept, or is it more acceptable for boy, like to for boys to sort of be like, oh yeah, you're like us? Do you think that there's any? I guess my point is, is that do we see any sort of inequity in terms of like how that tomboy um role is perceived i think it's constantly ebbing and flowing with age mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. when girls are really really little a lot of times they do tend for whatever reason towards the, the ultra feminine and so a little girl who doesn't do that can be pretty quickly ostracized mm -hmm. or gets you know kind of like what well, are you a boy that classic are you a boy or a girl you know if a mm -hmm. little girl has short hair and then I think it starts to shift and maybe as you get to the I mean I remember I wore dresses all of the time when I was in preschool and then I got to elementary school and the playground had climbing bars mm -hmm. and I realized that if I wore a skirt everyone would be able to see up it yep. and so I just stopped and mm -hmm. I went to pants you know, and I think nobody thought that that was weird or, you know, so I think it, I think there are um, one different ages where it's acceptable. And I think there's also different levels mm. that are acceptable. Yep. Yeah. No, your point about age is a, is a good one. And I was just trying to think like, is it, is it literally after puberty that after puberty you're expected to now become more feminine and if you don't, then different kinds of, of assertions start different true or not true used. and other unfavorable words, mm -hmm. right, get used. That's a really good point about the age piece. Yeah, that's really interesting because yeah. I've never really thought of it that way. Well, and I don't think I could put a pinpoint on like which ages. Are... And it might depend. Right. And I do think depends. puberty is a big part of it. So then as we sort of talk about our, our message that like, you know, in an ideal situation, you would be picking something for the person as they are, right? The things that they like as an individual. Are there any times that perhaps we could make an argument that something is more appropriate for one gender over another? Like for, I'll just give examples 
and this is me just giving examples and I, you guys can sort of take them as you will, right? Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, books that are written about women for women, right? Like The Girl's Guide to Being Awesome and Strong. Like those kind because of, those books like that do exist, right? There are even like, I think there's something called like The Boy's Outdoor Guide to Being Awesome too. There's something like that. So what are your feelings on these kind of things? Do you, in your opinion, each of one of you, right? Is there an appropriate use of this kind of role gendering? Or perhaps you would like to suggest alternate ways of sort of um, strengthening somebody's identity. <laughs> I think I think they can exist. I think these things can exist. I don't know. I personally don't feel that we need to force them away because sometimes people do want to be in affinity spaces and mm-hmm. define what that affinity is. The idea that they are needed, <laughs> I think, is a different thing. Like, are they necessary? Is it necessary to write these things? No. I'm going to add another one to that. All women are all male educations. That's a whole other right. (laughs) Right. Well, and and, but but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in there, right? Because if we're gonna talk about affinity groups, then I'm gonna then I'm just gonna raise it to that other level and once again saying, are there any spaces where this is appropriate? Well, and I think some of those some of those examples are a little bit disingenuous and not that you're trying to be that but the girl's guide to being awesome and the boy's guide to whatever actually are often trumpeting the same exact things right they're just again that affinity so they're still both going to talk about learning how to sew maybe and they're both going to talk about learning how to uh whittle (laughs) will will they though some of them yeah some of those exact examples you're giving I believe do and then Mm -hmm. there are others that are so I think some of it's about being a critical consumer and Mm. actually looking through something before you purchase it (laughs) and making a choice about it other things like the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts are you know basically from another time and I think again are starting to move in directions and again I do think there's room to have a space where you're saying I feel like I want to be with other girls I would hope that that means anyone who says I am a girl <laughs> is allowed to be in that space and anyone who says I am a boy should be in the other space mm-hmm. I don't think we're always there yet but where I get extremely irritated <laughs> is just this concept that specific things are for boys and specific things are for girls so who gets to cook and who gets to whittle? I wish I had a better example of what for. <laughs> yeah, whittling is definitely not. But cooking is cooking. I always find is such a funny example because women are supposed to cook in the home, mm-hmm. but professional chefs are men. Yes, yes. Like I a... mean, not always, of course, but that's kind of what well, you the stereotype. The stereotype. Yeah, yeah. The double standard. Essentially. Yes, right. If it's and unpaid the, the for women. Yes. If it's paid, it's for men. Oh, I do kind of like the idea that that these like guides to being awesome. It's literally the same book. Someone just changes the cover to make you feel better. Like if you really need, it's really just the human's guide to being awesome. And then you need to have it. Like okay, we'll put a we'll put a for girls right. cover on this and a for boys cover on that. And, but it's literally but the same legitimately book on the inside. Some of the modern ones are. Yeah. Whereas I definitely I have a predilection for collecting this sort of paraphernalia from previous times because it both ma- angers me but also sort of makes me laugh. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I definitely have, um, yeah, cookbooks that are like, how to cook for a man. You know? <laughs> right. Please only cook them these items. Otherwise, it could be poison. You know, men are, men are very allergic to A, B, C, and D. I have experience, though, in the world of cooking, like having men cook for me. There is a portion difference sometimes. <laughs> like a dude meal with a giant piece of fish and giant potatoes. Just... I could not fit in my mouth. <laughs> there, like, there are cultural differences in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's a way to have fun with those as opposed to use them to oppress people. Yes. Which yeah. is often what is happening. Well, we're trying to push people into particular societal roles. Right. right. And so, right. And let's let's expand on that even more. Right. So what is the purpose of what we're doing? Well, one, one straight up. I mean, like the biggest one is capitalism. Yeah. I just, I mean, for real, because a lot of times they want to be able to sell two different toys. So if you have a family with a boy and a girl, you want to get the girl, the pink Legos, and the boy, the regular Legos, Mm -hmm. and so they're able to sell you the same thing twice. Yep, I'm going to give you another example, and this is just recently one that I've seen, is you're having a baby, you're having your first baby, that baby's a boy. Everybody gives you blue things. The whole nursery is done in blue. Your second baby is a girl. Guess what? A lot of people go and they buy everything over again. Right. Right. Cause, cause you can't put that girl in like, I don't know, the little baseball uniform or like, or, or even, even the flip version, right? If your first was a girl, you can't put that boy in the pink onesie. Because people are afraid of exactly what Bohebe was talking with, yep. where, about with her mom. They're afraid that that baby is going to be misgendered. And I always feel like at that age, who the hell cares? Right. <laughs> also the thing about know. confusion. Like you're going to be confused. Like you, you generally know what you are, whatever that thing is. I don't know if people, I mean, people will shift over time. Like that's yes, that happens. But there is this idea that you will not be able to figure out where to put yourself or where to place yourself in your culture if you don't have it like written really bold in blue, you know, across your head. If you Mm -hmm. haven't picked your binary slot, then you won't, you'll be like a loose peg on the board or something. Like if you're not... You're, if you're not the pink little life peg or the blue little life peg, <laughs> what are you even? Like, right, and there are people who are neither peg, but right. again, they actually know that typically from a pretty early age, mm-hmm. and they feel very assured in their, I don't know, being a, I don't know, a green peg. <laughs> so I think of a good non, yeah. like a neutral yellow. color. Yellow. Yellow, yes. So then outside of capitalism, what else? Well, again, we're trying to make sure that everybody does what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I kept trying to think of things that needed to be gendered. Like, is there a good reason? Is there something that needs to be gendered? And I kept kind of coming up with all these ridiculous things like, um, is there a I list? used to have, yeah, no, I used to have one and it was like literally Bic, I think, Bic pens made pens for women it was like a pen for her and I I don't know somehow I I don't have it anymore I lost it somewhere but it was it just made me laugh so I was like I was like trying to get men to like try to use it and be like see if it'll work for you like (laughs) people people uh rated it 
on Amazon. Yes, that was it was yes. oh the yeah. It was a whole phenomenon and for a while they were almost impossible to get because like there'd be these hilarious reviews where it'd be like I'm a man but for some odd reason whenever I use this pen all I could do is draw flowers and hearts. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like, so so just the just the like or like um I think there's a whole candle company mandals that are like candles for me i mean Ugh. think of the, like again the most literal innocuous like a candle oh it's like the broga the that, broga that's in the the um armory whatever that building is in somerville it used uh, men's yoga broga, broga? yeah <laughs> there's a sign that's like yoga for bros uh, you know, right, I'm right, super right. curious like, about what's happening in yoga for bros. And broke yeah, and I, oh I couldn't. Gosh. Well, I, my point is, I like, I couldn't really come up with anything because I even got to the point of thinking about things like tampons. And um, just recently in the news, we know that Always has removed the female symbols from the hygiene projects products because not just women get periods. So just this movement towards like. This is for people who get periods. Bras are not for women. Bras are for people with boobs. What is the function of this device? It is for people who need this function. Do you need fire that makes a light and maybe smells nice? Like, then here is a candle for you. Like, we don't need to have, you don't need to pick a specific candle. It's going to work either way. Now that I'm hearing you say this, I'm thinking like the prince, princess symbol that was like male and female. Oh, and yeah, princess. yeah. I'm like, maybe always should just put that on the package. This would have been so much hipper. Right? Yeah, yeah, All the yeah. packaging purple. <laughs> Well, it's true. Like that is true. Moving away from pink and all that stuff for tampons and pads, it's now it's um, people products. I can tell you from experience that that the stuff is now. Let's see, one is purple, the other is orange. See, there you go. The packaging. Oh yeah, orange is a good color. But also, I mean, I like and again, this is getting a little bit away from your question, but there's a deeper thing about why is pink for girls and why is blue for boys. Wasn't historically pink? Yeah, okay. actually, yeah yes, actually, I don't previously. know where that came from. So yeah. originally, it was blue was for girls because it was the color of the Virgin Mary's mantle. I'm, oh. not, I'm not kidding. Oh, no, no, and I'm not questioning that. was for boys because it was a lighter version of red, which is a masculine color, quote unquote, right? And then it got swapped. And I'm, you know, I actually am not 100% certain where it started to switch. And I think it probably honestly had to do with manufacturing and dyes, like what was available. Um, and it just, but we've decided. But isn't that weird and arbitrary? What does pink have to do, once again, with hypothetically your genitals? What makes your womanliness attracting you to? Pink. And I think, you know, and, and so the idea behind it, right, is that it's supposed to be soft and like roses are pink and <laughs> hearts are pink. But what does that have to do with being a woman? Mm -hmm. You actually just reminded me of like a childhood trauma. I mean, not in a terrible way, but like Sorry. when I was in the first grade. No, it's all like it's all coming together. When I was in the first grade, I had a first grade teacher who was an ex-nun. She was a terrible, terrible woman. And in first grade, you do things like talk about your favorite color. My favorite color in the first grade was red because the red was my favorite lollipop that you got at the bank. Mm. <laughs> and she told me red could not be my favorite color because it was 
too loud and angry and for men and the and I had to pick a new favorite color and I was like I don't know what to do with this I got in trouble a lot in the first grade because I was like I'm picking a favorite color the red lollipop is my favorite one so this is like making more sense now. To be fair, the red lollipop is kind of the best one. It's totally yeah. the best one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the, that level of hardcore, like she couldn't even let a child. No. A child have a color that did not fit in her paradigm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is what is so. My favorite color now is orange, by the way. <laughs> It's, like a, it's a little shit. It's a little bit of a shift, but in the same wheelhouse. But and this is what's so disturbing about all of this, right? Is that we've made arbitrary choices as a society about what's okay for different people, but people are super hardline about yeah. it. Yeah, like I mean, she was like I remember the the genuine anger and upset and like rage like no this is not acceptable this was not acceptable like I was a deviant well you're crossing the gender line I, I was an adult working at, at an adult job carrying an x-men lunchbox uh for funsies and another a colleague of mine challenged me over the lunchbox two adults well, one of whom was, and she said to me, that is a boy's lunchbox. <gasps> she did not say, dear other adult, I'm curious <laughs> that you're carrying lunchbox. <laughs> I'm wondering about this. This is unusual. So if it was a strawberry shortcake lunchbox, I have no would idea. it have been okay? <laughs> I have no idea because I was so taken aback because it wasn't a, a normal conversation. It was, she was confronting me. Wow. She was confronting me at the elevators over my X-Men lunchbox. And I thought, this woman is serious. And I wasn't afraid that she was going to come after me. Yeah, yeah. But I recognized that this wasn't, like, casual. This was, I was crossing a gender norm. And this was not acceptable for her. Yeah. Because it was challenging. You challenged her cultural norm. I yeah. challenged her norm. <laughs> With a lunchbox. With X-Men <laughs> lunchbox. Which... Is a pretty cool lunch. It was a rad lunch. I'm not using it. I just was like, well, I'd be wary of this one because she has some issues. That lunchbox goes missing, you know. Here's a good question. <laughs> Probably would be stabbed in the elevator. It's it's yeah. I think also I don't know. I suspect that people can't control themselves. To your earlier yeah um, comment about you know working on training and thinking about anti bias. Stuff just is comes forward out of people's mouths. Yep. Despite their whatever intentions, and they find themselves saying things like, "Why do you have that lunchbox?" or "Why are you agreeing to this deviant color?" Which, of course, <laughs> in a different a different culture, is auspicious. Right. Red I know. Right. Is an important color. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing about about again, we're not like you know the thing about biases is you're not going to stop them. But instead of going, why do you have that lunchbox? It's a boy's lunchbox. She could have said, huh, tell me more about your lunchbox. Well, why did you yeah. choose that lunchbox? Yeah. But asking why do you, why is that the thing that you've chosen is even a reasonable question. That's not what she said. She identified it as a boy's lunchbox accusingly at you. That's the part that's, you know, that bias training is trying to get you away from. Right? Not to mention there are tons of women X-Men, so like she doesn't even know. Like, well, it was why? Wolverine, so maybe she knew him. Hard to say. Yeah. Well, maybe she had some feelings about him. I. Maybe she did. One of my experiences. Think about yeah, Wolverine is definitely. Be, I mean that this could be a whole nother podcast. Is how how 
certain characters are slotted for various gender faves or something. But I remember going to a comic shop and wanting to buy a Wolverine comic and I had, you know, I needed a certain number. So I asked at the front desk and the, and it, and it was heavily questioned. Like, mm. That's a serious book. I'm like, well, I'm a serious girl. So <laughs> I please, if you don't have it, Thank you and good day. Here's <laughs> my money, which I'm going to right, hand which is now going place. elsewhere. So, Jesus. yeah, it's fierce. It's fierce. There's a lot of um, policing on all the different levels of this. Well, because and I, I've, I've been one of the things that I talk a lot about with my husband is why are people so worried about it? And and I think you both named it that people get nervous if you do things that. They don't expect because it makes them question their own choices. And that's the part they don't like. It's not about what you're choosing. Not really. Mm -hmm. It's about them having to think about if that's okay. (laughs) Is my entire life just a house of cards? (laughs) Right. You know, and I think that's when you think about folks who identify as trans or non-binary, that's what really deep down upsets people is they have to consider the fact that gender is in fact societal and so what does that mean for them Mm -hmm. and and I should say and this is all coming from someone like who is I I'm a cis woman and so if people didn't you know question sort of my choice like I can kind of pass through life Mm -hmm. and not have to deal with this kind of confrontation on a on a daily basis so there's absolutely some privilege there as opposed to someone who is non-binary presenting or asking for a different pronoun which people just can't seem to get their head around who has to deal with this sort of these confrontations you know probably a hundreds of times a day even yeah and it's exhausting and people don't Mm -hmm. want their children to suffer this yeah so the i feel like the policing sometimes is severe, particularly for young people, because it's like, oh, we can keep them in line. If we're just careful enough, we can we can stop the suffering, which is actually a normal human you, condition, you this, suffering, you know? right? Mm-hmm. We, we could stop it by, like, just keeping to this thing, which is unfortunately not true in any way, shape, or form. Right, because the suffering will come either way, either from living your truth or from having to yeah. suffer through it. Right. Suffering. Whether... The ways of kamikaze. Lifting. But I mean, but you're also, the other side of that yeah. is you rob people of their potential joy yeah. of getting to have and be the things they want. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Right. They're suffering either way. Yeah. They're suffering in not getting to be your true self and they're suffering in people not letting you be your true self. So either internally or externally. Parents are trying to save you by doing what they think the world is going to do to you. Yeah. Which is, it's a constant in parenting, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I do not have children, so I do not know, but I watch this from a distance and think, hmm, yeah, it's very consistent. Yeah, parenting, a lot of work. (laughs) Again, not for weak people. No. Right. No. So as part of sort of our preparation to get ready to talk about um, gender in this podcast, I also sent around a video about um, Sweden and their practices um, about having gender neutral preschools. So flipping this over, I guess my, my question to you guys is really, what is our ideal situation? Like if you could say we didn't have to like go by the rules that we have in society right now, 
would a gender free kind of preschool um oh gosh what's the word i'm looking for when you're t- uh when you're very young and you're starting to develop like developmental experience thank you <laughs> is that something that like we should be looking at more closely around the world and thinking about you know doing here um i've only run into in my entire life only one person who was trying to bring up her her child pretty gender neutral when this child was very young i have no idea where that has gone because it was a brief meeting at an old job but (laughs) i guess my incredibly challenging yeah because of these external influences just Mm because you want to do it doesn't mean your mom like the grandmother or Mm -hmm. other family members or even other friends and other friends parents Mm -hmm. are, are doing that like you think of all the places where children are influenced Largely outside the home. Yeah. Uh, there's a book I read um, called An Unconventional Family. That's a, I think, I don't remember if they themselves are psychologists, but it's a family that attempted to raise their children gender neutral. Um, and they took, this was a project they took upon themselves. The children are now probably in their 30s or 40s because the book is older. Mm. And it was really fascinating for that exact thing that you said. Like they had their culture within their family space and then the kids went out. And at the end of the book, there's essays from the adult children about their experience growing up under this uh, effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I remember the most about the essays between there was a, a male quote unquote child and a quote unquote female child, though they weren't that as kids, um, was that they settled into male and female identities and they had really different levels of comfort. I remember the person who settled into the male identity was really happy to wear skirts and like kind of chill and the other person was much more anxious and Mm. i was thinking like oh Mm. this is really fascinating and i don't know what they're like now they were in their 20s when they wrote these essays right because in that video right there's there's this opportunity for gender to be so very fluid identifying sort of i'm this and i'm that and i'm it would just I, i personally just think that's a really interesting concept to think about like if we lived in a world where we weren't constantly sort of buffeted with this messaging barrage yeah yeah well and that's i mean because i almost feel like there's a couple of different topics you're hitting here which mm-hmm. is the education in school i think generally speaking if you could remove the idea that things are for boys and things are for girls, that's a positive, right? Mm -hmm. But then you have to remove it from the entire world. And if you did Mm -hmm. remove it from the entire world, I think we'd all still be fine because for the most part, again, I think people kind of internally know what they identify as. Hmm. But what's for girls and what's for boys or what's for men and what's for women is, again, 100% arbitrary. We just decided a long time ago... And none of it actually makes sense when you really, if you start to pick it apart, like, yeah. why are dolls for girls? Right. Dolls why? are for girls because we want them to raise babies. Mm-hmm. Right. But men also have to raise babies. But like to take that even further, right? Why are dresses for girls? Why is makeup for girls? Why is anything? Like what you're, when you're talking about where gender really comes from. Like, it doesn't have to it's really. It's a social contract yeah. that we've all agreed on. And right. And skirts are not always for girls. Mm-hmm. In every culture. Nor is makeup. Nor is makeup. And why do <laughs> such stupid things get gendered? Do you think about, I was thinking about this, like, sort of alcohol culture. Mm. Beers for dudes oh, and yeah. wine, for, especially rosé, is for ladies. Like, okay. why? 
Well, more specifically, it's for white girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very good To be honest. Um, right, like, there'll be, there'll be these, like, hilarious 5Ks, right, that are, like, 5Ks for women, and at the end, you're presented a rose by a handsome guy who also gives you rosé and chocolate, like. Wait, I want the chocolate. Right. Although, after, as someone who used to run, the thought of drinking rosé and chocolate after running is, I just want to walk up and get it. I don't want to Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, who thought of this? Those faces make me mad. <laughs> I, I gave up television over this right around the time that Real World came on, which I don't know what that says about gender at all. Um, but there was so much television that was based around what is it? Um, reality television. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay. It was like mostly reality television and then some shows. And I I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do reality television on top of all the gender nonsense. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, uh, and my like feminist lens and my apparently radical lens do not lend themselves well to like a lot of media. Well, and those shows are particularly edited. Yes. To enforce, yeah, to enforce gender never stereotypes. Have to yeah. Tear in their lives. Yeah. What's interesting is that I think we're finally getting to a point where there's media that is being made by people who want to change that narrative, right? We're finally getting to see things like this new She-Ra cartoon yes, yes. or Steven Universe, where people have very different ideas of what's okay to be a man, a woman, or a rock person. <laughs> which which could potentially be a topic for our future podcast. Hint, 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 hint. So, be <laughs> and beyond Stay flip tuned. the script, right? Because the flip the script thing isn't that satisfying. No, no, no. Um, what is that redhead in the Avengers? I'm failing as Oh, Black Widow. Yes, thank yeah. you. Like, she's a flip the script, right? Like, all tough, you know. We've taken all the masculine traits yes, and put and them put on these. And there can only be one with that as well. And I like some of the media that's coming out now that isn't pandering to that either. It's like mm-hmm. moving beyond all of this pretense about who can be what and why. Well, I mean, like a strong real, woman can also be vulnerable. Well, like real human beings who have complex like, like emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I had a delightful moment on the train this morning um, coming in on the tea where there was a giant shouldered man like in a hoodie really like hunched over, gruff, and I realized that his fingernails were painted bright orange. <laughs> Expertly. A really bad paint job. So I don't know if it was a child doing it or he was, I don't know. He's but just new to it. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, this is fascinating. Who is this guy? He is so much more interesting now. Right. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of our discussion, but I wanted to sort of put it out there to be, um, because I know I made you all talk, think about this before recording the podcast. Is there anything that we didn't get around to talking about that you sort of like was, was like, oh, I had this revelation? I have one thing that I want to recommend to people. There's a um, another podcast called On Being with Krista Tippett, and she interviews this woman who is a biologist and enlightened into moss. Um, and her name is Robin Wall Kimmerer, and she talked about using a different pronoun. But for all things, um, so like natural world. Hmm. So it would be, it could be he, she, they, and keep. And this other pronoun is for anything that wasn't human made and is of the world. So instead of saying it, you would say key, like I, the tree over there, key this thing. 
you know, and it was fascinating because it wasn't specifically about gender, but it was blowing up ideas of gender just like kind of by accident, by proposing this whole other way of talking about what is alive and what has divinity in it. Interesting. Mm. So I, I like was... I'm still like wrestling with this in my mind. Like, can I even do this? You know, but it is. It's a really interesting idea. Whew. I know. We're still trying to get people to wrap their head around they, which is actually something that people do all the time without knowing it. But when you have to think about it, all of a sudden it's weird to refer to someone as they, except you do that all the time when you're talking about someone you just don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but again, that's when it's not making you question your own life choices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want everyone to make a recommendation for whoever's listening. If they have a little one in their life or not even necessarily a little one, if they need to, if they are compelled or inspired to buy a pop culture slash comic book related gift this holiday season or for a birthday or whatever, regardless of gender or whatever, I want everyone to just give, one recommendation. Julian is a mermaid picture book Ooh. Um, by Jessica Love about a child who wants to be a mermaid in New York City. It Amazing. Gorgeous. And the Tea Dragon Society mm. by Katie O'Neill. Excellent choices. Next, anyone else? All right, you know what? I'm going to throw one out there that I always talk about, but I'm going to recommend the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run. There's two Hawkeyes. Yes. They're both Hawkeye. Yes. There's not late. There's not. Hawkeye and Lady Hawkeye, they are both Hawkeye, and it's well-written, it's a super good story, uh, it's visually very cool, the one-eyed dog, there's also um, uh, deaf representation in it, Ooh. you should definitely read it, it's a really good run. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend things that aren't comics. I said I said pop culture, anything yeah. you want. Well, it's not even pop, I mean, they're just books. For young people and people who are still young at heart, I'm going to recommend the book that I always recommend that literally everyone reads, which is When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead. So good. Um, it's amazing. I feel like that's a very good book that has a girl protagonist who doesn't have to be a girl for the story to work. Um, and then I'm going to recommend for adults uh, a book that I just finished and really loved uh, called In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Oh. And that has nothing to do so much with, well, it actually does very much has to do with gender um, and um, abusive relationships, which is tough, but still beautifully written, and I highly recommend it. Excellent. And I'm just going to throw something out there. Um, I'm going to recommend Pumpkin Heads with, uh, so the artist Faith Aaron Hicks, and the writing is Rainbow Rowell, or Rowell, or I, my apologies if I'm saying it wrong. Sorry, but, um, yeah, sorry, girl, <laughs> or you, whomever. Um, it's just great, and it's sweet, and it's seasonal, and um, it has a lot of actually very good representation in there without being ostentatious about it. Like, people are just who they are, and that's great. Anyway, so ladies, thank you for joining me, and I think we are now ready to conclude another podcast. So until next time, thanks a lot. Hi, everyone. Valerie here. And on behalf of all of the ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.